Shabbat Shalom, my beloved brethren. Last week, we studied the life and sufferings of Naomi. We talked about how she experienced misfortune in Moab and lost her husband and two sons. Yet, through all the grief, Yahuwah blessed her. From the experience of Naomi's life, we learned what to do to live through anxiety, depression, and despair. We also learned that we must put our hope in Yahuwah, look for opportunities that Yahuwah brings, and take action. And when we do, Yahuwah will give us plenty of reason to praise him. However, most people do not look for opportunities because they do not expect him. We must place our hope in Yahuwah and expect him to give us these opportunities. But we must first acknowledge our feelings, confess our sins to Yahuwah and accept his discipline. When being disciplined by Yahuwah, we should place our hope in him by humbling ourselves and being repentant. Then take action when there is an opportunity and return to Yahuwah. When we return to Yahuwah, he will restore our confidence and hope and heal us from our sufferings. In the meantime, we must wait for him, expecting his help to come. Yahuwah will renew our life and sustain us in our old age because he has the power to restore our energy. So the lesson we must learn from Naomi's story is that Yahuwah is close to the brokenhearted. He will rescue us when we have crushed spirit. Yahuwah hears when we call him for help. He will rescue us from all our troubles. Yahuwah's eyes will watch over us, provided we do what's right. His ears are open and he will hear our cries. Now, this week, we will continue our lesson on the topic of thriving through suffering. However, we will be looking at the life of Ruth, who also experienced suffering like, like Naomi. So our first question for today is who also experienced suffering like Naomi? And the answer to this question, we find in the book of Ruth, chapter one, verse nine down to, verse six down to nine. Then Naomi heard in Moab that Yahuwah had blessed his people in Judah by giving them good crops again. So Naomi and her daughters-in-law got ready to leave Moab to return to her homeland. 
With her two daughters-in-law, she set out from the place where she had been living. And they took the road that would lead them back to Judah. But on the way, Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go back to your mother's, go back to your mother's home. And may Yahuwah reward you for your kindness to your, to your husbands and to me. May Yahuwah bless you with the security of another marriage. Then she kissed them goodbye and they all broke down and wept. So who also experienced suffering like Naomi? Naomi's two daughters-in-law, Orpah and Ruth, also experienced suffering like Naomi. What misfortune did Orpah and Ruth experience? Orpah and Ruth experienced the misfortune that their husbands died. What were Naomi and her two daughters-in-law getting ready to do? Naomi and her two daughters-in-law were getting ready to travel to Judah. But what did Naomi encourage them to do? On the way, Naomi encouraged them to remain in Moab and return to their mother's homes. What was Naomi's wish for her daughters-in-law? Naomi wishes they be rewarded by Yahuwah for their kindness and bless them with the security of another marriage. So what was their response? They responded by breaking down and weeping. How much suffering did they experience? They not only lost their husbands, but are now also requested to go back to their mother's homes. So they all broke down and wept. Now Orva and Ruth had a big decision to make. Just like Orpah and Ruth, we also have a choice to make in times of sorrow. And the choice we make will determine the course of our life. What choice should we always make, especially in times of great suffering? For the answer, we go into the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 30, verse 19 down to 20. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessings and cursing. Therefore, choose life, that both you and your descendants may live, that you may love Yahuwah your God, that you may obey his voice, and that you may cling to him, for he is your life and the length of your days, and that you may dwell in the land which Yahuwah swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them. What choice should we always make, especially in times of great suffering? In times of great suffering, 
we should always choose for life. Why should we choose for life? We should choose for life because Yahuwah has called heaven and earth as witnesses against us. Yahuwah has set life and death before us, blessing and cursing. Therefore, we must choose life so that our descendants and us may live. How can we choose life? We can choose life by choosing to love Yahuwah, our God. Every time we go through suffering, we have the opportunity to love Yahuwah. What must we ask ourselves whenever we must make a choice? Whenever we make a choice, we should ask ourselves if that choice will lead us closer to Yahuwah. What must we do after choosing to love Yahuwah? After choosing to love Yahuwah, we must obey his voice and cling to him. Why must we do that? We must do that because Yahuwah is our life and the length of our days. What does it mean for us to obey his voice and cling to him? Obeying his voice and clinging to him shows our commitment and loyalty to Yahuwah, even if it means making a great sacrifice we still have to do what pleases Yahuwah. Yahuwah will never forget sacrifices like this. He remembers all our acts of love for him. Orpha and Ruth must now decide to remain in Moab and find security in a new marriage or go to a foreign land and practice their religion. What choice did Orpa and Ruth make? In the book of Ruth, chapter 1, verse 14 down to 15, it is written, and again they wept together. And Orpa kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung tightly to Naomi. Look, Naomi said to her, <coughs> sorry. <coughs> Your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. You should do the same. What choice did Orpa and Ruth make? Orpa chose to remain in Moab and kiss her mother-in-law goodbye. But what did Ruth do? Ruth, on the other hand, clung tightly to Naomi. She decided she was going with Naomi. And what did Naomi do? Naomi tried to convince her to do what Orpah chose to do and stay in Moab. Look, Naomi said, your sister-in-law has returned to her people and gods. You should do the same. However, Ruth had no intention of going back. What did Ruth do? What did Ruth say? In the book of Ruth, chapter 1, verse 16 down to 18, we can read, but Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave. Don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, 
I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May Yahuwah punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. When Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said nothing more. What did Ruth say? Ruth replied to Naomi not to ask her to turn back and that wherever Naomi went, she would go. Wherever Naomi lived, she would live. What else did Ruth say to Naomi? Ruth also said that Naomi pe Naomi's people would be her people. Why was she so determined to stay with Naomi? Ruth was determined to stay with Naomi because of love. It is love that can make a person to make sacrifices. Ruth also told Naomi that may Yahuwah punish her severely if she allowed anything but death to separate them. What sacrifice was Ruth willing to make? Ruth was willing to sacrifice and leave everything behind. What also moved Ruth to make this sacrifice? Ruth's motivation for making this sacrifice is her love for Yahuwah. She told Naomi that Naomi's God would be her God. So what does Ruth want? Ruth wants to worship Yahuwah so that Yahuwah can be her God. Ruth chose to love Yahuwah and love Naomi. Ruth is willing to die wherever Naomi dies, and she wants her corpse buried there. What challenge did Ruth face? In the book of Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse three down to six, it is written, no Ammonite or Moabite or any of his descendants may enter the assembly of Yahuwah, even down to the 10th generation, for they did not come to meet you with bread and water on your way when you came out of Egypt and they hired Balaam, son of Beor, from Petar in Aram Naharaim to pronounce a curse on you. However, Yahuwah your God would not listen to Balaam, but turn the curse into a blessing for you because Yahuwah your God loves you. Do not seek a treaty of friendship with them as long as you live. So what challenges did Ruth face? Ruth faced the challenge of being an outcast in the foreign land of Israel. What is the decree again about Moabites? The decree about Moabites is that they were not allowed to enter the assembly of Yahuwah. Why were they not allowed to enter the assembly of Yahuwah? 
They were not allowed even down to the 10th generation because they didn't offer the Israelites bread and water on their way out of Egypt. And they also hired Balaam to pronounce a curse on the Israelites. Despite this, what did Ruth do anyway? Despite the degree and being an outcast, Ruth still chose to love Yahuwah and Naomi and made a great sacrifice. Ruth and Naomi decided to take the journey of faith together. Why is it a journey of faith? It is a journey of faith because she will be an outcast in a foreign land without any property or resources. Thank you, my brothers. The remaining part of this lesson will be continue to be brought to you by our beloved brother, John. I thank you for listening to me. Shabbat Shalom, brothers and sisters in the faith. Let us take some time to ponder and reflect concerning the great faith and great love that was displayed by Ruth during the situation that she found herself in. Keep in mind, she's going to leave her homeland to go to a strange place with strange people. Now we find out this strange place she's going to go to with strange people are going to oppress and treat her as an outcast. In addition to that, we're going to go back there, both of them, Naomi and Ruth, both widows. Naomi has no place to really go to. She has nothing awaiting her there, no land. And so they expected to live a life of poverty. Nevertheless, because of the amazing faith and the amazing love of Ruth, she clung to Naomi. She clung to Yahuwah all the way to Judah. Well, how about after their arrival to Judah, did she remain clinging to Yahuwah? And so what did Ruth request upon arriving to uh, Judah? Let's read the book of Ruth, chapter 2, 1 down to 3. Now, Naomi had a relative on her husband's side from the clan of Elimelech, a man of standing, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone whose eyes I find favor. Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. So she went out and began to glean in the fields behind the harvesters as it turned out. She found herself working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. And so when Naomi and Ruth reached Judah, what did Ruth request from Naomi? That she go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone who would allow her to do so. Keep in mind, when Naomi and Ruth got to Judah, there was no job awaiting them. They had no place really to go. And so for them to eat, they have to work. But Naomi was already elderly. And so who was Naomi relying upon to provide for her needs? Her daughter-in-law, Ruth. And so what did Ruth decide to do? She requested Naomi to go to the fields and to do the work of gleaning. We talked about this before. In the Old Testament, there is this law of gleaning. It is Yahuwah's way of providing for the poor. It's like during our time, 
Uh, the governments provide a way of welfare to provide for the poor, but the big difference is during the days of, our, of Yahuwah, in the days of the Old Testament, whenever provisions are pr given to the poor, they still have to work for it. And so here's Ruth, who is poor. She's going to go into the fields and pick up the leftover grain. And so when she does that, when she decides to do that, she ends up in the field that happens to belong to who? Boaz. Look at what the Bible teaches. As it turned out, this field belonged to Boaz. You know, whenever we find a phrase like, as it turned out, we know this is not coincidence. Who is working behind the scenes to lead Ruth to the field that happens to belong to Boaz. It is the work of Yahuwah. You see, Yahuwah's planning something. Yahuwah's preparing something. Why is that? Because he remembers the good deed, the good work, the display of faith and love that was shown by Ruth. And Yahuwah never forgets our good works. So he's up to something good for Ruth. And so she leads him to Boaz. Who is Boaz? It turns out she, he happens to be a relative, a blood relative of Elimelech. Do you still remember who Elimelech was? He was the husband of Naomi. And so this makes Boaz a kinsman redeemer, one required by law to provide for his relatives who are in need. And what is the quality of Boaz? Bible teaches he was a man of standing. He was rich and powerful. And so Yahuwah is creating the opportunity for Ruth and Boaz to come together. And so when Ruth is gleaning in the field of Boaz, what does Boaz say to her? Let's read Ruth 2, 8 down to 10. Boaz went over and said to Ruth, listen, my daughter, stay right here with us when you gather grain. Don't go to any other fields. Stay right behind the young women working in my field. See which part of the field they are harvesting and then follow them. I have warned the young men not to treat you roughly. And when you are thirsty, help yourself to the water they have drawn from the well. Ruth fell at his feet and thanked him warmly. What have I done to deserve such kindness, she asked. I am only a foreigner. And so when Ruth, while working in the field belonging to Boaz, what does Boaz, who recognized her and took a liking for her, what does he say to Ruth? Boaz says to Ruth, listen, my daughter, Stay right here with us. Don't go into the other fields. You see, during that time, during the days of Israel, there were many fields throughout the land. And Boaz knows that Ruth can really choose to go in any of the other fields. And so we can see, working behind the scenes, Yahuwah is moving the heart of Boaz. And so he catches Ruth and speaks to Ruth and says to her, there's no need for you to work in any other field. Just stay right here. You know why Boaz says that to her? Because Boaz was moved in his heart to take special care of Ruth. This is why when we read the scriptures, 
What kindness does Boaz show to Ruth? Boaz says to her, stay behind the young women. He's giving her the privilege of working as a servant and not one who simply picks up the leftover grain. That indeed is in an act of kindness on the part of Boaz. What also does Boaz say to Ruth? He also said, don't worry about the men. They will not treat you roughly. One of the dangers of gleaning is when you do so, some of the people will treat you harshly. This is why when Boaz gave the guarantee of protection, this was indeed a special blessing, especially since Ruth was a Moabitess and the people of Israel, they did not look highly upon a Moabitess. Not only was she a widow, not only was she a woman, she was also from Moabite. And so they looked with contempt against Ruth. And so Boaz says, you will be protected in this field. So stay in this field. But in addition to that, what also does Boaz say to her? He says, when you're thirsty, do not bother to go anywhere else. Do not go back home just to drink water. You can drink from here water that has been drawn from the well because of the act of kindness that Boaz has shown to Ruth. What does Ruth ask? Ruth was surprised so much so overwhelmed by the kindness. She thanked him and said to him, what have I done to deserve such kindness? I am only a foreigner. She is a Moabitess. You know what the response of Boaz was? Let's read Ruth 2, 11 and 12. Yes, I know, Boaz replied, but I also know about everything you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. I have heard how you left your father and mother and your own land to live here among complete strangers. May Yahuwah, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge, reward you fully for what you have done. And so when Ruth asks Boaz, why are you treating me with so much kesed, kindness? Ruth says, uh, Boaz says to her, because I've heard and now I know about the sacrifice that you made. Do you know what this means? When we read the book of Ruth, Yahuwah also wants us to know that in times of sorrow, in times of tribulation, when we make a choice to choose him and to cling to him, to sacrifice for him, he will never forget that. He will take notice of the sacrifices we make for him and he will not forget that. And this was manifested in Boaz's relationship with Ruth. Boaz says, I know about what you did. And so what did Boaz say? Why was Ruth able to do that? You took, you gave yourself under the refuge of Yahuwah's wings. You placed yourself in the care of Yahuwah. You chose Yahuwah and then you clung to Yahuwah and made him your refuge. This is why Boaz 
saw the favor of Yahuwah in Ruth. She clung to Yahuwah and Yahuwah has blessed her by leading her to Boaz. What eventually happened in the relationship between Boaz and Ruth? Let's read Ruth 4, 13, 16, and 17. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. Then he went to her and Yahuwah enabled her to conceive and she gave birth to a son. Then Naomi took the child, laid him in her lap and cared for him. The women living there said, Naomi has a son. And they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. And so Yahuwah working behind the scenes. What does he do concerning the relationship between Boaz and Ruth? Yahuwah connected them together. You know, that's what Yahuwah can do. Because sometimes when we experience a problem in life, we don't see Yahuwah working. And so we say to ourselves, what's going to happen to me? Ruth had no idea when she left Moab that she would wind up in the arms of Boaz who will take care of her, provide for all of her needs. She had no idea. But who was planning all along? Yahuwah. What are we facing now, beloved brethren? When we find ourselves deep in trouble, choose Yahuwah. And after choosing Yahuwah, cling to Yahuwah. Because when we cling to Yahuwah, Yahuwah will do and cause all things to work together for our benefit. This is what he did with Ruth. Look at what happened to Ruth. She ends up marrying one of the most powerful men in all of Judah, Boaz. Not only do they get married because he becomes the kinsman redeemer, the land that was lost by Naomi is restored to her. So Naomi is blessed. Not only is Naomi blessed, Ruth is blessed because Yahuwah has enabled her to conceive a child. Do you know who this child was? His name was Obed. Obed would become the father of Jesse. And Jesse would become the father of David. Who is that David mentioned in the Holy Scriptures? One who would become king of all Israel. King David. And we know who King David is and was. Eventually, he would become an ancestor of who? Our king, Yahusha. This is why if you are to read the genealogy of our king, Yahusha, and you go backwards and backwards and backwards, you're going to find the name Ruth. Ruth becomes an ancestor, a blood relative of our King Yahusha. How great an honor is that? How great a blessing is that? Can you imagine leaving her hometown in a strange place to be oppressed and persecuted because she was a Moabitess? Yet Yahuwah because of his favor upon her, his chesed upon her, Yahuwah made her an ancestor of our King Yahushua. Do you ever wonder whatever happened to the other daughter-in-law of Naomi? What was her name again? Orpha. We know what happened to Ruth. She had a happy ending. How about Orpha? I wonder what happened to Orpha who chose to remain in Moab. Let's read what it says in a book entitled 
Jewish Women's Archive, a Jewish encyclopedia. Of course, this is not a biblical source, so this is not something we take as gospel truth. Nevertheless, it's interesting to look at some of the research some are uncovering as they look into the history of the people, the Jewish people and those who were surrounding them like Moab. This is what it says. The rabbis maintain that Orpha and Ruth were sisters, the daughters of King Eglon of Moab, who in turn, according to the same Midrash, the Midrash, by the way, um, that's like commentary, commentary about the Torah and the writings of the Holy Scripture. So uh, this is like commentary as they studied the history and they studied the Torah. And so that's what the Midrash is. And so who in turn was the son of Balak, Ruth's descendant from these kings is regarded as a mark of their merit. While no mention is made of Orpha in this context, the rabbis identify the Orpha mentioned in the book of Ruth with the Rapha or Harapha, the mother of the four warriors of Gath who appear in 2 Samuel 21 and the Goliath from Gath, Harapha's son, with the Goliath who fought David in 1 Samuel 17. According to this identification, both Goliath and the other warriors are therefore Orpha's children. These men with their special powers were the recompense for the manner in which Orpa parted from Naomi. So according to Jewish history, it turns out Orpha and Ruth could be sisters, perhaps half sisters or half siblings. Perhaps King Eglon had multiple wives, which was common during that time. Nevertheless, we know Orpha and Ruth had this relationship in the past. They supposedly were daughters of the king. What king? The king of Moab, who was an instrument to conquer and overtake Israel during the days of the judges because Israel would worship false gods. And so this king of Moab, Eglon, had daughters, Orpha and Ruth. What happens to Orpha? Orpha would eventually become the mother who? One of the four warriors, one of which is the one from Gath, Goliath of Gath. Amazing, isn't it? What would eventually happen to Goliath of Gath? He would be slain by David, who comes from Ruth. David versus Goliath. Two different timelines colliding and conflicting with one another with a common origin. How is it possible to have a common origin but have two different courses in life because of the difference in choice? This is why, brethren, the choices we make today, it will determine the course of our life. It will determine our future. When they were back there in Moab, when Naomi decided to go back to Judah, when the choice was made, Orpha made her choice, Ruth made her choice, they had no idea the choice they would make at that point in time would have a significant impact in the course of their respective lives. That's the power of choice. But Ruth, she chose Yahuwah. Not only did she choose Yahuwah, she clung. She clung to Yahuwah all the way to a strange land with strange people who would oppress her because she was a Moabitess. But Yahuwah blessed her. 
and she would become an ancestor of our King Yahushua. Beloved brethren, are we also going through some kind of sorrow or tribulation in life? You're going to make a choice. Whatever choice we make, let us make sure we choose. We choose Yahuwah and cling to Him no matter what we're going through. And so in times of weakness, when we feel overwhelmed by sorrow because we are hard-pressed on every side by trouble one after the other, what must we do? Let's read the final passage of our studies today in the book of Romans 8, 26 to 28. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And we know that God causes, God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose for them. Are we feeling weak? Do we feel overwhelmed by sorrow? But sometimes we don't know what to do, you know? Whenever we get to that point in our life when we don't know what to do, that's really a cry from our heart for the Holy Spirit to help us because the Holy Spirit knows what to do. Bible says we don't even know really what to pray for. But the moment we open our hearts to Yahuwah, the moment we say to him, Father, I don't know what to pray for, but I'm pouring my heart to you. When we give to Yahuwah all of our cares, when we divulge to him all of the things that make us sad and desperate, that make us cry when we pour our hearts to him and say to him, you are my refuge. I will hold on to you. I will cling to you no matter what. He will send the Holy Spirit. And when he sends the Holy Spirit, there will be times when we need not say a word. The Holy Spirit will produce groans and cries and Yahuwah will know what we need at that exact moment in time. And do you know what Yahuwah will do? If only we will hold and cling on to him, he will cause everything to work together for our good. Cling to Yahuwah. Do you know what the difference is between holding on and clinging to Yahuwah? When you hold on to Yahuwah, you hold on to him. But when you cling to Yahuwah, you hold on to him and never, ever letting go of him. When we do that, he will cause everything to work together for good. What are we facing now? Do not give up. Keep holding on. Keep clinging to Yahuwah. And eventually, when Yahuwah's plan for our life is finished, when we look back, we will see how everything fits together. How Yahuwah remembered the choice we made to hold on to him, to cling to him, to choose him. Choose Yahuwah, cling to Yahuwah in the midst of our suffering, and he will cause all of this to work together for our good. Let us stand, brethren, and we shall pray together. Everlasting Father, most holy Yahuwah, 
Our life belongs to you. We surrender to you. You know more than us. You have heard our groans and cries during times of sorrow and deep sadness, in times of loneliness, in times of sickness. When we had no one to turn to, we turned to you. We turned to you and chose to love you. Teach us never to let go, to hold tightly, to cling to you. Because as we do so, we feel your closeness. Your closeness comforts us. It gives us hope for tomorrow. We know behind the scenes, you are working on our behalf. Father, Father Yahuwah, please do something for your people. Do something for us. But we cannot see you because we cry unto you as moved by your spirit. You who knows what is happening in our hearts. You who knows the course of our life. This day, loving Abba, we choose you to love you always in our life. And sometimes we let go because of our weakness as human beings. Please come back. Hold on to us again. When we slip and fall and stumble, do not leave us to be by ourselves. When you hear us cry out your name, Yahuwah, come back for us. When we extend our hand to you, reach out for us and strengthen us once again. Our King Yahushua, Mashiach, our King and Master, we worship you. How we long to see your face. How we long to hold you physically, to be embraced by you. We wait for that day. But while we wait, we take joy in the opportunity to fellowship with you by means of your spirit. We open the doors of our heart to you. We beseech you now, enter in please. Strengthen us once again. Give us the joy of your salvation. Father, remember your people who are enduring much sicknesses. Heal us, loving Abba, of all our infirmities. Restore our strength and bless us once again. Bless our families, Abba. Bless our children. Help them to develop a tender love for you and a faith that will cling to you no matter what they face in life. We believe, Father, you have listened to our prayers. For we ask and beg everything in the name of our Lord and Savior, Yahusha HaMashiach. Amen. Yahuwah Abbas 
unfailing love and tender mercies overshadow us. The memory and peace of Yahusha HaMashiach strengthen us and the constant companionship of the Ruach Kodash be with all of us now and forever. Amen.